TII, item 285, October 13th, 2013. Feeling a little askew. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by SquareTrade. Please visit squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get your discount on your iOS device warranty. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First off, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song on my iPhone 4S using GarageBand, connected to Audiobus and Sample Tank. Listeners of TII can follow me at at JeffJ6 on Twitter for free music. I write and create using an iOS device on a weekly basis. Regards, Jeffrey J. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music, and folks, I'll put up the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Tim for sending in the artwork for today's show. He wrote, Hi, Rob. Sending in some artwork. It is a picture of a fourth generation or four generations of iPhones. iPhone 5, iPhone 5S, make the letter T, a white iPhone 4S for the first eye, and a black iPhone 4 for the second eye. Make up this artwork with a couple of iOS 7-inspired circles to top it off. I use the following apps, A plus Signature to add the circles, Snapseed to clean up and crop the image a bit. Regards, Tim in Wisconsin. Tim, thanks again for sending in the artwork. And you can see Tim's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 285, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer, as the album artwork in it also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps used to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, Microsoft will ultimately muscle out Apple as the leader in smartphones and tablets. Apple's insistence on controlling every aspect of both its software and hardware puts it at a disadvantage to a more flexible Microsoft, unquote. Charles Sizemore, Sizemore Capital, 29th November, 2012. Um, wow. Now, less than a year later, Microsoft said, No, Mr. Sizemore, you are wrong. Apple had the right idea, and we are buying Nokia so we can copy their business model. Just saying. This week for promo codes, we have a few apps. The first app is Fodor HDR. Here is the review from the dev. My name is Patrick, and I'm one of the creators of Fotor HDR. Fotor HDR is the most advanced high dynamic range app for iOS. With this new app, you can create amazing HDR images in just a few taps. It has a simple and easy to use iOS 7 inspired interface. Fotor HDR is the first app with an advanced dual capture mode, a 32-bit HDR processor, an array of preset HDR styles, and a range of other editing options. Dual capture mode allows you to process HDR immediately as you shoot, giving you instant HDR results. However, if you want to continue shooting uninterrupted, you can choose to save the multiple exposure sets and process them later. Multiple preset HDR styles help you spice up your photos, and you can do further refining by fine-tuning the brightness, contrast, and saturation. We designed this app for users with specific HDR needs, so you have complete control from beginning to end. 
Photor HDR has arrived to let you capture life's full range on the go. Thanks to Patrick for his review of his app, Photor HDR, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Photar in the subject line. Photar is spelled F-O-T-O-R, F-O-T-O-R. The second app we have promo codes for are for the apps, actually second and third apps we have promo codes for are the apps Assess My VS and AA Illuminate. Here is the review from the dev. Hi Rob, Dave Wilton here with a great deal on two of my apps that may help many of your listeners read and study more easily. Dyslexia Awareness Week 2013 in the UK runs from the 14th to the 20th of October. And for that one week, my apps Illuminate and Assess My VS will be 60% off in App Store worldwide, $1.99 each rather than $4.99. Both apps aim to help people who suffer from visual stress when reading dark text on a bright white background. Common symptoms can be headaches or dizziness, blurry or moving text. A transparent color overlay can significantly reduce the problem. Whether you are dyslexic or not, 1 in 20 people see big benefits with the right color overlay. But how do you know if you're affected? Assess My VS tests to see what color, if any, works for you. Illuminate puts that colored overlay on what you wish to read. A live video feed, a still image from the camera, or a website or other cloud-based assets can all be viewed through the overlay. Thanks to Dave for his review of his apps, Assess My VS and A Illuminate, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for either of these apps, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put either My VS or AA Illuminate in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then well, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. A little bit of news. I am over in the Google Plus communities and there's some iOS and iPhone ones there and they tend to be filled with a bunch of the Android fanboys, and they just kind of ruin the place. So I've created a new Google Plus community for iOS, iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. If you want to join, just go to todayinios.com slash community, todayinios.com slash community. That'll take you over to the Google Plus page I created. There's also a link on it over at the Today in iOS website. And request to join. It's moderated, and I will kick out any Android fanboys, so this is just for people that are interested in iOS. No Google fanboys allowed. Again, to join, go to todayinios.com slash community. On a personal note, if you coach second grade boys football, remember the whole reason behind kids football is so that the kids have a good time. All right. I had to get that off my chest. I'm dealing with some anger issues over a foot, certain football coach tonight. Anyway, I am going to push forward and we're going to get this episode out. Now, first off in the news, for many of you not in the initial group of countries uh, the iPhone 5S was released to, good news. 35 additional countries will be getting the 5S and also the 5C on Friday, October 25th. And with 16 more countries, including Albania, 
will get it on November 1st. So by November 1st, the iPhone 5S and 5C will be available in 60 countries all over the world. I am not going to read off all 51 of the countries because, well, some of you may be driving and I don't want anyone to fall asleep or lose control and laughter over how bad I mispronounce the names. But if you are in a country that does not yet have the iPhone 5S and you are waiting with bated breath, then go look for the link in the show notes for episode 285 titled iPhone 5S in 51 more countries by November 1st. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I've been a listener since 2007. Wanted to remind the caller from episode 284 that both the Tyson Corner Virginia and Glendale California app stores, Apple stores, opened on the same day. Guess I have to represent the East Coast. Maybe it's a tie on which is the original. Love the show. Thanks for all you do. Regards, Tracy M. Also in the email bag. Hi, Rob. Last episode, a caller stated that the Glendale Apple Store was the first. This is not true. The very first Apple Store opened in McLean, Virginia at the Tyson's Corner Mall. The Glendale Store opened three hours later. Just saying. About the Tyson's Corner Apple Store. The first Apple Store opened at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on May 19, 2001 at the Tyson Corner Center in McLean, Virginia. The second Apple Store opened three hours later at 10 a.m. Pacific Time at the Glendale Galleria in Southern Cal. Regards, Isaiah. Hi, Tracy and Isaiah. Thanks for the follow-up on that. I should have known that. I think I did know that at one point. Well, I know it again now. At least until I forget it again. But either way... Both stores opened on the same day at the same local time, but that means the Tyson's Corner store was open for three hours by the time the 10 a.m. Pacific time rolled around for the Glendale store to open. Little iOS 7 tips here. Let's talk about making text more readable in iOS 7 for those of us that were born prior to the 1972 Olympics. First, there are two things you want to do. One, go to Settings, General, Accessibility, then turn on bold text, which will then result in a reboot of your iOS device. When it comes back, you will see a nice increase in the girth of, for the fonts on your iOS device. Two, go back to settings, general accessibility, and then increase contrast, then toggle on contrast. Finally, if you want to increase the text size in some of the apps, go to settings, general, then text size, text size, and change the size of the text. This will be really noticeable in the email preview and in the email itself. Personally, I found going bold was good enough for me, and I actually reduced the font size a notch. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. In episode 284, there was a woman who had upgraded to iOS 7 and had thought that the font text on the home screen seemed a little thin and small and hard to read. Uh, one way to address that is to go into settings app and go under general and accessibility. There is also there a bold text option, which will make that font quite a bit fatter and easier to read. It does require a restart on the phone, but other than that, it seems to be harmless. The one problem that I'm finding with that setting is that also causes the text in the Twitter app to be all bold, which I find annoying because I'm in Twitter a lot. But uh, the listener may choose that uh, as a better option. So hope that helps. Hi, Rob. Please let Janet from Spokane know that if she goes on to general accessibility, there's an option to make the font bold. I'm only 55, and I can't read this crap either. All right. Thanks. 
Hi, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm having a rather annoying bug ever since I updated to, I think it's like seven, the 7.0.2 update, the security bug update. And uh, I'm getting this uh, thing where when you try to send an iMessage, it just it just freezes at the end of it when I'm in good data or, or good Wi-Fi, and it just it just freezes. And I didn't realize it the one time, and it, it just, like, continually tried to send, and it was killing my battery like crazy. And finally, once I realized it, I did realize if you, like, tap and hold on the message when it's being stuck, you can then – you have the option to uh, – send it as a text message, so that's the way I've gotten around it whenever it starts doing it. And then the only thing that makes it stop doing it once it starts is restarting the phone that I have found. I was wondering if anyone else is having the same issue, and if so, if they have a better fix than mine that's less annoying because mine just keeps happening, and I'm kind of hoping not to have to restore my phone, but I'm sure it's going to be one of your suggestions. But just let me know if, if anyone else is having this problem or if you're having this problem. All right, thanks, Rob. I uh, love the show. Can't wait to hear the next one. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Justin. Thanks for that voicemail message. And yep, hearing about this from other people, actually, here's an email. Hi, Rob. I just recently upgraded one iPhone 5 to iOS 7 and bought three new iPhone 5Ss. Only had this issue with iMessage with one of the 5Ss, but this link here helped fix it. Just thought I'd pass it along. Regards, Don from Gunnersville, Alabama. Thanks, Don. And this is a list from iMore. They suggest one of three ways to fix this issue with FaceTime or iMessages not going out. One is simply turn FaceTime or iMessage off and then back on in the settings app. In the settings app, go to FaceTime or iMessages and uh, tap on them and then toggle them off and then back on. Um, do the switch for each of them. If that does not work, option two is a hard reboot of your iOS device. That is where you hold down the power button and home button at the same time. Once you see the Apple logo appear, lift off of the buttons. Then if it is still not working, repeat from option one, turning off and back on FaceTime and iMessage and setting apps. And then if that does not work, Option three, which is probably where I, I would recommend you go, which is really what I, again, would call option one. And that's just go to the settings app, go to general, then to reset, then you guessed it, reset network settings. Once the device reboots, make sure to reconnect your Wi-Fi, confirm Wi-Fi is working, and then try FaceTime and iMessage. Wondering how many people with this issue are ones that when they updated to iOS 7, or iOS 7.0.2, did not do the reset network settings prior to the update. Just saying. I should note, Apple has commented about iMessage slash FaceTime bug affecting a small percentage of users, and they likely will have a fix sooner rather than later. In the meantime, their advice is essentially refer to some docs that tell you to basically do what iMore and others, including me, are saying, reset network settings. You know, that's... That's the Control-Alt-Delete of iOS, as in it fixes so many little glitches. So again, go to Settings, General, Reset, Reset Network Settings. That probably is your best first and last option for this. As always, when you do the Reset Network Settings, when the device reboots and comes back on, you have to click on to Wi-Fi, and if you have a password, you have to re-enter your Wi-Fi password. That's the one downside of that. You have to go back and re-enter your Wi-Fi passwords. Recently, I commented on the built-in level for iOS 7 and pondered why Apple would hide it inside the Compass app and not mention it. Well, now we may have one possible answer. 
on the iPhone 5S, for some iPhone 5Ss, for many iPhone 5Ss, it is not calibrated correctly for some unknown percentage of units. Now, I did notice this when I was first playing with my iPhone 5S and saw that on my desk. It was saying it was basically a three degrees askew, which I thought was odd. Well, now Gizmodo is reporting that it is the iPhone 5S with the slant and not my desk. And you know what? They're right. I put the, an iPhone 4S and an iPhone 4 on my desk and checked the desk, and both said it was level, as in zero degrees. But there, right between them, my iPhone 5S said it was askew three degrees. And now the mystery behind the hidden level is revealed. Apple did not want anyone to actually use it to see how off some of the iPhone 5S owners, like me, are. Or at least our iPhone 5Ss are. Although some have reported bringing their iPhone 5S with this issue to the local Apple store and have been handed a replacement, uh, that's supposedly and reportedly. Um, I actually made a Genius Bar appointment with Apple about this for my iPhone 5S, and I went to the Apple store yesterday, and I was told they are not replacing the iPhones with this issue, that a patch is coming soon, and that they had just heard about this issue themselves midweek at the Leewood store here in Kansas, and when they went and checked, all their display iPhones were off by three degrees, just like mine. Not some, all their iPhones in the store were off. The 5S's, that is. The Apple employee told me, this is uh, nothing to do now. Just sit tight and wait for the patch. So that is what I will say to you. If you have an iPhone 5S with this issue, sit tight and wait. And, well, don't hang any pictures or bookshelves using your iPhone 5S as the level at least for the time being. My anger tonight is going to be well-focused on this next one. Remember back to episode 279 and the article from Enantech that I mentioned? Come on, think, quick. Yeah. Well, seems most in the tech press forgot about that episode and article as well, as that article was about Sammy turning it up to 11 when the S4 detected a benchmark test. Or to put it in another simpler way, Samsung just being a bunch of liars trying to juice benchmark tests and thereby deceive the general population. Well, I guess since it was Sammy, and Sammy is so in bed with the Google tech press, they gave them a pass. And everyone seems to have forgotten about it. So much so that Ars Technica is claiming they just discovered it two months later. By the way... Back then, on episode 279, I said the following, quote, Whether it be the CPU or the GPU, you can't trust the results for any benchmark tests for the S4 because they are over-optimizing for those tests and as such do not give real-world comparisons. So any and all benchmark tests that the iPhone 5S runs in September and then is compared to the S4, yeah, take them with a big, big grain of salt, unquote. So yeah. When we talked about the iPhone 5S smoking, destroying, killing, obliterating the S4 in the benchmark tests on the last episode, those results were against a juiced-up S4. Yeah, puts the innovation of the A7 64-bit processor and iOS 7 into an even better perspective. Those guys can't beat it or even come close to it even when they cheat. But wait, there's more. Now in Antech and others are also reporting it's not just Sammy that are juicing their benchmark tests. Seems almost all the Android manufacturers, save Google, are doing this. So yes, any benchmark results from SAMI, HTC, and LG, yeah, they're BS. Not BS as in Bob Saget, but BS as in what comes out of the back end of a bull. Once again, 
This needs to be stated strongly. Apple did not, repeat, did not juice their units. And to be fair, Google did not either with their Moto X and Nexus units. But that also explains why when looking at the benchmark test, the 5S totally destroyed the Moto and Nexus units. But then again, it kind of did destroy the juiced units as well. But really, the gap between the 5S and the Android world is best viewed when looking at the big gap between the 5S and the Moto X for benchmark tests. Now, can we really say we are surprised of such shenanigans, to put it nicely, from the Android phone makers? Nope, not at all. Now, one set of tests the Android phone makers have definitely not found out how to cheat on yet are the responsiveness tests of touchscreen tests. Hey, want to guess who the big winners were? Well, judging by my chipper tone, you'd be guessing it is iOS devices, and you would be most certainly correct. Let's talk about tablets. The iPad mini was actually the top of the heap with an average responsiveness time of 75 milliseconds. That is how long from when you touch to when there is a response on the screen of some sort. The fourth gen iPad was second with an average time of 81 milliseconds. The Surface RT had a very respectable third with an average of 95 milliseconds. The Kindle Fire HD 2013 was the top of the heap on the Android side with a score of 114 milliseconds. Then the Nexus 7 at 135 milliseconds and the Sammy Galaxy Tab 3 8-inch with a time of 168 milliseconds. By the way, the eye can notice changes down to about 10 milliseconds. So that Galaxy Tab was almost 100 milliseconds more delayed than the iPad Mini. That's a big deal, as all the Android tablets seem very laggy if you are used to using an iPad which is true for me. Anytime I try out any Android devices at stores or a friend has one, well, not too close a friend, but a friend. Anyway, when I've tried out any of those Android devices, I clearly notice that it is, um, its response to my touch is, well, more icy than a scorned lover, to put it nicely. Taking these touch testing to a smaller screen resulted in pretty much the same thing. iPhones rule, Android devices drool. Note, these tests were not done on a 5S, but were done when the 5 was the top of the line. The iPhone 5 had an average response time of 72 milliseconds. The iPhone 4 was in at 92 milliseconds. The S4 in at 114 milliseconds. The Lumia 928 at 117. The HTC One at 121. And the Moto X at 123 milliseconds. Again, iPhones to the winner's circle. They have not tested the uh, 5AS yet, but they did say those tests are coming soon. We'll talk more about those in the future when those test results are made available. But for now, there is one clear message from the results. If you're into gaming that requires good touch response, then iOS devices are for you. And if you are used to using an iOS device going to Android devices, there is going to be a touch lag that you need to deal with mentally. However, going from Android to iOS, things should seem much more snappy and responsive. Again, this is all about Apple being innovative in ways that people don't realize they're being innovative in. Previously, we had a caller talking about how to make Touch ID more accurate um, if you would just create five fingerprint profiles for the same finger. Well, now comes word of the opposite being possible, where you can use multiple fingers in a single profile. 
You could use both thumbs on one profile and both index fingers for the next and so on, getting all 10 of your fingers in there for the five profiles. Some have even done more than two fingers per profile, and supposedly the accuracy is still very good. What you do when you are adding a fingerprint is when you do the multi-tap part, you just switch between fingers. Personally, I am just sticking with one for either thumb and just one thumb per profile and one for my wife, and that's it. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. Um, with respect to your guidance on the App Store and the Touch ID sensor, I'm able to use different fingers with the approval for the App Store when I purchase things. So I'm not sure what you're seeing, but I'm able to use either thumb for what it's worth. Hey, Rob, it's Ryan in Concord, California. I just wanted to let you know in episode 284, you had mentioned that iTunes will only work with one chosen fingerprint to authenticate. It actually will work with any of the stored five. I tried it a couple of times. So what people were saying, like, so what I do, I stored my left two thumbs at two different angles and my right two thumbs at two different angles. And then that way, no matter which way I'm holding the phone, it seems to uh, recognize the thumbprint. Anyway, there you go. Thanks a lot, Rob. Bye. Kevin, Ryan, thank you for the feedback. You guys are correct. I was wrong. And the people I got my information from was wrong. I hadn't actually tested to confirm it only worked with one thumb. Probably should have done that before saying something. But I really do believe it was Apple that said something in the announcement or somewhere on the site that only one fingerprint would work with it and the others would just unlock it. And there was some posts out there about that, but... Anyway, I couldn't find anything back on the Apple site about that now, and it's irrelevant because all your fingers do unlock it, which means I did not give my kids the fingerprints for my iPhone 5S because I don't want them going in and doing in-app purchases and other purchases with iTunes. So remember that, folks. Don't give your kids that fingerprint to unlock your iOS device if you don't want them going in and doing purchases uh, for some in-app thing for whatever dragon val or whatever it is uh, so be careful on who you give your fingerprints to because whoever has access to the phone also has access to buy stuff in itunes store and by access to the phone i mean has one of their fingerprints as one of the fingerprint profiles on your device there's a nice site called iphone-check.herokuapp.com where you put in your zip code and it shows you the apple stores closest to you and some kind of, sort of close to you. And what is the availability of the iPhone 5S's? So if you want to see if your 64 gig gold iPhone 5S for AT&T is available at the local Apple store, or one, say, six hours away, you can now do it. I kind of think it's a little cruel to know that the Leewood store, eight minutes away, that there's nothing. But the Mall of America, eight hours away, there is my precious gold iPhone 5S for AT&T. Road trip! Oh wait, now it's gone. Just look for the link in the show notes titled iPhone 5S Availability Checker over at todayinios.com for episode 285. On the last episode, episode 284, for saving battery life, I gave a baker's dozens of tips that, if you used, should greatly improve battery life. And based on feedback, quite a few of you are happy with those tips. As an FYI, I had an iPhone 4 running iOS 7, and an iPhone 4S running iOS 6.1.2, and I had them charged both up to 100%, and then removed them from the chargers and let them sit around in standby mode 
after 11 days, basically not using the 4S at all, and just using the 4 as a calculator and to check the level a couple of times. Well, I guess I did that with the 4S too. Uh, well, the 4 was running iOS 7, and it had 73% of charge left, while the 4S was running iOS 6.1.2 and only had 21% of charge left. So again, if you are losing more than a few percentage of charge at night, something is not set right with iOS 7. My experience is iOS 7 is better on battery life than iOS 6 if you set things up correctly. One of the items I did mention turning off is AirDrop. And I've had a few people email me in asking about AirDrop and what you can and cannot do with it. Especially questions with regards to using AirDrop between your iOS device and your Mac. Here is what Apple has to say about that. Quote, AirDrop for iOS supports only iOS 7 devices. You cannot use AirDrop on your iOS to share with OS 10. And OS 10 users can't use AirDrop to share with iOS devices. Unquote. Yeah, that makes sense. So for now, at least, you cannot use AirDrop between your iOS device and your Mac. Only between your iOS devices. Not sure if Mavericks will fix that issue. I hope it does, but for now, pre-Mavericks, it's just iOS to iOS. Some more info on AirDrop. For those that have no idea what it is, it is a way to share photos, videos, and other files between, for now, iOS devices quickly and easily. Bluetooth and Wi-Fi are both used to connect and transfer files. File transfer is very quick. However, as it uses both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, you do need to be close to the other person to transfer, but not so close you need to bump them. Essentially, how it works from the end user's perspective is you select the file or files you want to transfer, then select the user or users you want to transfer them to, and they then either accept or deny the request. If they accept, it starts to transfer right away. You can also choose when turning on AirDrop to allow everyone, and that means anyone, to see you to share with, or just those in your contact list. AirDrop is a nice feature when you need to use it, but it is one I recommend you keep off until you are in a, you know, a need to use it, as it has a limited range. If the person that wants to transfer a file is close enough to transfer said file, they're also close enough to yell at you to ask you to turn it on. Obviously, in a business environment, that might not be the best idea if you are in a meeting and your workmates are wanting to send you a butt crack shot of the boss bending over at the copier, or worse yet, a picture of your boss's whale tail and your boss is a he. But in most cases, a simple, hey, turn on airdrop verbal request will be fine. Johnny Evans over at Computer World Blogs had a nice post for you former or soon-to-be former Android sufferers who just did or are about to switch over to the light side known as iOS 7. He goes over how to move over your contacts, your calendar items, your media, your music, plus some info on Google Apps on the iOS side. I will not get into the specifics of the article out of fear of boring those of us fortunate enough to not have been subjected to the laggy fragmented malware existence known as Android, but for those of you making the move, look for the article in the show notes for episode 285 titled A Simple Guide for Android to iPhone iOS Switchers. And well, congrats on the move. You're now among friends. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. 
I'd like to remind you of my first comments to today, an iPhone back after Apple lowered the price of the original iPhone after those of us purchased it at the full price. I wrote to you and said, I'd like to salute Steve Jobs. I'll let you guess which finger I'm using. Being the long-supporting fan of your podcast, I downloaded Candy Crush that you mentioned on the last episode from the link of the TII website. And now I'd like to salute you, Rob, you sick, sadistic person. Level 140? I think if you put that obsession down, we'd get weekly updates. I'm stuck on level 30. My eyes are bloodshot, friends are whispering behind my back, and I'm thinking of joining the local 12-step program. Signed, determined to get to 31. Steve R. Hi, Rob. I love your show. I'm in level 67 in Candy Crush. Regards, boss in Nigeria. Hi, Rob. Per Candy Crush. Damn you. I'm addicted now. Thanks, Tash in Australia. Well, folks, I'm at now 147, actually. Not 140. I moved on a little bit. But that's not why this show was delayed. It was delayed due to work issues, not Candy Crush issues. That said, if you haven't tried out Candy Crush, you're in the U.S., you're on an iPhone, go to todayinios.com slash candy. Todayinios.com slash candy. Use that link and go and download the free Candy Crush app. You will be addicted like Steve and Boss and Tash in no time at all. Oh, yes, in full and fair disclosure, Candy Crush is a sponsor of the show, so I want to make sure I put that out there. Don't want anyone to think otherwise. But... I played the game long before they became a sponsor of the show. I love the game. It's a fun game. It really is. And it's one of those things I do at the end of the day just to blow off steam. I like to have a game that I go and play. Right now, that game happens to be Candy Crush. If you haven't tried it, it really is an addictive game. It's fun. It's you got to figure out how to get through the, the levels. And there's a lot of levels. And you don't have to spend anything if you don't want to. They do have in-app purchases. That's how they make the money. But my recommendation is you don't need to do any of that. I've gone to 147 without spending a penny. Go to todayinios.com slash candy, download Candy Crush, and let me know what level you guys are on. Hi, Rob. This is John from Michigan. In the Photos app, is there a way to get rid of that white bar across the top and the bottom so you can have the photo, the whole screen of your phone? It's kind of annoying. You can't, you're showing your photos and they're smaller. And my sister pulls out her phone with that large screen, and the whole screen is the photo. The old way, it, the bars disappeared, I believe, until you tapped on it. But uh, I'd like to be able to get the photos to show on the whole screen. Uh, thank you. Bye. Hi, John. To get the white bars above and below a photo to go away, just tap on the center of the photo one time, and the bars will go away. Hey, Rob. My name is Walt from Toronto, Canada. In episode 284, Ben from Montreal mentioned he could no longer shuffle music within a particular genre. I came across this by accident, but if you request Siri to play a genre for you, example, play classical music, she will automatically shuffle it for you. Thought this might help. Love your show. Keep up the great work. Take care. Hey Rob, it's Dick from Canada. I just wanted to let you know about the blocked call list that you were mentioning, that the uh, number has to be in your contacts to block it. Um, I noticed that there is a way to do it without putting, um, you know, telemarketer into your contact list. Um, when they call you, um, you realize who it is, you hang up, you can just go into your recent calls list, tap the little arrow beside the uh, corresponding number, and there should be block this caller right from there. So that way you don't actually have to add them to your contact list. All right, hope this helps. Have a good one. Dick, thanks for that feedback, and thanks to all the others that sent in similar feedback there. 
and you do not need to have a call in your contact to block it. You can block calls in your recent call list and it can be for incoming and outgoing calls. So if there's someone that you know you want to block, but they're not, you don't want to put them in your contact list, you know the number, and they haven't called recently, you can call them real quick and hang up and then block them. Hi, Rob. This is Jim from Pennsylvania. Uh, I was listening to your uh, most recent podcast item uh, 284, and a listener called in about um, not being able to have selections speak when they were selected. Um, that is still available in iOS 7, but it has to be turned on. If you would go to Settings, General, Accessibility, and then go to Speak Selection and turn that on. If he turns it on, then that button will reappear when he touches and holds and doesn't only have copy and paste available, but it also says Speak Selection. Um, also in the same episode, you said that you couldn't add an attachment to an email. You can add photos and videos to an email uh, right from within the email. If you touch and hold in the space where you're going to type, it will come up with um, saying select, select all, and paste. And there's a little arrow to the right. If you touch on that arrow, it gives you more selections, and one of them is insert photo or video. That's the only way that I've or the only thing that I've found that you can insert that way, but um, it is available in iOS 7. So just thought I'd uh, send you a quick note about those two things. Love the show, Rob. Listen to you every week. Thanks for doing everything for all of us iOSers out here. Bye. Jim, thanks for the great feedback and the great voice and recording there. Good job. Into the email back. Hi, Rob. Still loving the show and the recent debates on innovation and screen size. Spooky music issue made me smile. I use only an iPad 3 and an iPod Touch 5 and wouldn't mind a bigger screen on my iPod, but that's not why I'm emailing. I love the ease of asking Siri to wake me up in the morning. It's so convenient, but I'm now oversleeping almost every day because the new alarm sounds in iOS 7 is so gentle, almost relaxing. I can't find anything in the settings to change the sound to something more alarming. So I've now lost a great feature in iOS 6, and I'm now forced to use a third-party app to manually set a more rooster-like alarm. How did the guys at Apple make such an obvious mistake? The internet is showing others complaining about this, and they cannot find any solutions. Do you or any of your listeners know of a workaround? Many thanks, Jeff in London. Hi, Jeff. First, per a larger screen on the iPod Touch, Apple already has an offering. It's called the iPad mini, just saying. Second, per the alarms, I agree with you that the new ones just don't cut it for us heavy sleepers, which is why I went back to the original alarm, which you can do as well by scrolling down in the ringtones options until you get to classic, tap there and then choose, quote, alarm, unquote, which is the old classic wake you out of a dead sleep alarm from iOS 6 and earlier. Hope that helped. Hi, Rob. This is uh, Andy from Bradley Beach, New Jersey. I'm calling in reference to the guy who had a problem going into iTunes. Um, I had the same problem with two of my phones after uh, going to iOS 7. And what I had to do was I had to log out of iTunes on the iCloud, log out of iTunes in the iTunes settings, and then reboot the phone, hard reboot the phone. And then when I turn the phone back on, sign into iTunes in both the iCloud and into my iTunes settings. Thanks. Love your show. Bye. Andy, thanks for the feedback. Back to the email pack. 
Hi Rob, this is for the gentleman who found he could not access iTunes Radio from the music app in iOS 7. I had the same issue. If you are logged into iTunes account outside of the US App Store, then you cannot see or use iTunes Radio. To get this feature, you must quit the music app, log out of your iTunes account, and log into the account using a US iTunes account. Then it will give you a pop-up saying that this account is only valid for purchases in the US App Store and will automatically switch you to the US Store. Then relaunch the music app and iTunes Radio will now be available to you. Regards, Mike. Hi, Rob. Some people have complained about iTunes Radio not doing explicit lyrics. Well, I just discovered that if you tap the little I with the circle above it at the top center of the screen, it gives you the options. And one of those is to turn on explicit with a slider. Didn't know of this if this was common knowledge, but it was new to me, and I wanted to share. Regards, Jason H. Well, Mike and Jason, thank you both for your feedback there. Hi, Rob. It's Justin from Pennsylvania again. I'm sorry, I, I feel like I'm blowing up your phone here, but um, I found out a cool tip for everyone with iOS 7 with the new Siri. Tell Siri to do something like turn off LTE, and she'll tell you she can't do it, but she'll give you a link to go right to cellular services, so it's like almost like a hot link. So if you're, you know, don't have access to the, you know, pecking around on your phone, you can do that. It also does the same thing with location services. It'll tell you you can't do it, but it'll give you like a link right to it. So it's a, it can be a quicker way, especially if you have limited use of your hands at the time, that you can get to those menus without having to dig in the settings menu and you know scroll down. I just thought it was a really quick and easy way of doing it. Even though Siri says she can help you, she kind of does help you at least a little bit. So just want to give you guys a little tip there. I've been really liking iOS 7, finding the battery life about the same that I had with all the extra features turned on. So I'm pretty happy with it. And other than, uh, you know, a few bugs here and there, I've been really happy with the new iOS 7. So, all right. Thanks again, Rob. Love the show. Hope this tip helps out some people and makes their life a little bit quicker. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Justin, thank you for that feedback. Apple is trying to help you with your user experience with your iPhone 4S, 5C, and 5S running iOS 7. They put up three different articles for tips and tricks, one article for each of the phones. These are nice articles for those looking to get more out of their iOS 7 experience. Many of the items have been mentioned on the show back during the reviews of the betas or since the release, but some may be new to you. They go over a limited number of tips for photography, swipe gestures, maps, Siri, and more. Look for the links titled iPhone 4S or 5C or 5S tips and tricks in the show notes for episode 285 over today in iOS.com. And hey, they even have the tip about finding the hidden level. So maybe they weren't trying to hide it after all. And speaking of the 5S, 5C, and 4S, there is a video up on YouTube showing all the iPhones ever made in a side-by-side comparison, sadly, it seems many in the blogosphere only wanted to look at the fact that the earlier versions of the iPhone shut down quicker than the current versions, which seems more to do with the iOS version and nothing to do with the speed of the units. In the very brief comparison of real-world use uh, to a website, the 5S clearly smoked all the other devices. The video should really be looked at more as entertainment value and seeing all the phones iPhones generation by generation, side by side, not as a comparison of speeds of units, 
Look for the link titled iPhone 5S, 5C, 5, 4S, 4, 3G, 3GS versus 2G in the show notes for episode 285. You'll figure it out when you see the link. Remember way back when the iPad first launched and the cellular version was just on AT&T and if you got one of the early versions with cellular, you could get an unlimited data plan and then AT&T changed the rules and you lost the unlimited data plan. Well, of course, the lawyers remember this and one lawyer put in a class action suit against Apple and AT&T about essentially bait and switch offer and the lawyer won. And Apple and AT&T lost. And if you were one of the early ones who purchased the GSM iPad before June 7th, 2010, you have $40 coming your way from AT&T and Apple. But probably not until sometime in 2014. In all fairness to Apple, it was really AT&T that changed the plan offering. And at the time, based on Apple's comments, they were not exactly thrilled with that decision. But they're even less thrilled now that they have to dish out some cash because of it. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which is an article on Ars Technica, which has a conspiracy theory that the iPhone 5C's biggest goal from Apple is to drive people to buy the 5S, hence the main reason for getting rid of the iPhone 5. I mean, that is crazy speak. If that was really Apple's goal, they would take the internals of the iPhone 5 and then wrap it in plastic, plastic that yells, hey, 1974 called and it wants its color deck back. Oh, and maybe throw in some cheesy Swiss cheese-type covers that make you subconsciously want to play a game of Connect 4 and watch All in the Family. But clearly, that is not at all what Apple did. So yeah, that myth is so busted. Because, you know, if this myth or theory was true, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and Radio Shack would not be selling the 5C for $50 off already, would they? And speaking of the iPhone 5C, now what I did find interesting is all the coverage, a site that no one's ever heard of before, said that Apple was cutting production capacity on the 5C from 300,000 units a day to 150,000 units a day. This site was again a site no one seems to have heard of before and is in Chinese. For all anyone knows, this is a 12-year-old kid in his mom's house blogging. That aside, somehow, all those that are reporting on this seem to think a production run of 150,000 units a day is looked at as bad, especially since they were likely running at whatever their real initial rate was for at least a month and likely close to three months, based on rumors from the summer on when they said the full production started. So if they were at 300,000 units for three months, that is 27 million units. And that means 150,000 units is, you guessed it, 13.5 million in a quarter. Neither is chicken feed, and both are very respectable. Given that estimates from analysts for iPhone sales for Q4 overall are in the 45 to 50 million unit range, so if 15 to 20 million are iPhone 5Cs, that sounds pretty darn impressive. Either way, reports of dismal sales seem to be exaggerated if Apple is selling 15 million or more iPhone 5Cs. Because in the past, Apple said there was at least 50% of iPhone sales to the top-of-the-line unit than a mix of other units for the other 50%. And that mix seems skewed more towards the lower-end unit. Even at 50 million units sold in Q4, if the 5C was 15 million of that and the 5S was 25 million, that means the 4S would be only 10 million, and that means the 5C is selling better than the 4S did versus the 4 last year. 
wow, that was a really long and convoluted way of saying that if the 5C sales are 150,000 units per day, they're doing pretty good. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. This article on Motley Fool is so bad, clearly it was created as link bait, comparing the iPhone 5C to the Surface RT. He says that the 5C will sell tens of millions of units. And then he says it may be this year's Surface RT. What? Regards, Kirby. Hi, Kirby. Yeah, anything that sells tens of millions of units should not be compared to the Surface RT. Tens of units? Yes. Tens of million? Nope. And as we just mentioned, they are likely to sell over 15 million 5Cs in this quarter alone. Good to see Rick Miranis putting the fool back in fool.com. Thanks to Dr. John M. for this next one. And it's an article from ZDNet, which I think does a nice job of going over what they think Apple's real mission is with the iPhone 5C. And that, in a nutshell, is not about selling more iPhone 5Ss, but rather it's about selling less iPod Touches and reaching out to kids getting their first smartphones. And that, to me, makes sense. The 5C is not something I would recommend to listeners of this show. But I can see, as a parent, if you have a kid and they need a new phone or their very first phone, getting them the cheaper iPhone 5C makes a lot of sense. It's not as likely to break as the iPhone 4S, and they don't really need the overkill of the iPhone 5S's A7 processor. So they are likely making calls, sending texts, sending emails, taking pictures, and playing some games. Plus, you want to have them on the iPhone so you, as a parent, can track where they are. Sorry, kids. That is what good parents do. It will be interesting when Apple goes over the financials at the end of the month from last quarter if they say anything about the 5C sales and what split between the 5C and the 5S were. In the meantime, all we have to go by are some sales estimates at U.S. Carriers by Canaccord for September. And guess what? The iPhone 5S, according to them, was number one at all four major U.S. carriers. Shocker! But what was actually shocking is that the iPhone 5C was number two at AT&T and Sprint, and number three at Verizon and T-Mobile. The Galaxy S4 was number two and number three, where the 5C was number three and number two. But that the 5C beat out the S4 at two carriers is saying that the sales of the 5C are not horrible, unless you want to say the S4 sales are horrible as well. Again, it will be interesting to see what Apple says on October 28th, that's a Monday, at 5 p.m. Eastern Time when they have their next quarterly call. Strange that they are doing this call on a Monday. They are always, almost in the past, been on a Tuesday, sometimes a Wednesday. And Apple has already warned that they may exceed their previous guidance range when they report. That's They're going to exceed as in have more profits and more money than they originally thought. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm a blind listener, so couldn't make sense of the graphs for this article I linked you to. Not sure if this is too long for the show, but maybe you could summarize regards Adam M. And this is per an article from smh.com which goes over that in Australia, at least, the iPhone 5C is not selling well at all, at least not at the telcos, and not according to Localytics, which shows a very small percentage of iPhones activated are 5Cs versus those 5Ss activated. One report in the article said one of the telcos received 10,000 iPhone 5Cs and they could only had sold 500 of them. Now, in fairness, a representative of that telco said 
those numbers were not correct or were incorrect. Incorrect, of course, could mean they received 10,500 units and sold 500. Or it could mean that they sold 501 units. Or it could mean it is way off. But it does seem from the article and from the local lytic stats, at least in Australia, they are not big fans of plastic iPhones. Again, October 28th will be an interesting phone call. And since I seem to like this word, interesting numbers from Comscore. In the three-month period ending in August in the U.S., iPhone market share went up from 39.2% in the quarter ending May to 40.7% in the quarter ending in August. And Android dropped between those periods as well. Again, that is in the U.S., but still leading up to the pending release of a new iPhone, you would expect a drop off in iPhone market share, not a gain. It would be interesting to see the numbers for end of November when they do their next pull of data. I always love reports about smartphone user activities, with iOS versus Android that is, because at the end of the day, market share is meaningless if all people on Android side do is make calls and send texts. This time, the report comes from Ben Lehrer, CEO of online publisher Thrillist Media Group. He stated that the iPhone generates 90% of mobile revenue at his company. This disparity in mobile shopping led them to develop a higher quality app for iOS. Jeremy Levine of Bessemer Ventures Partners said, quote, iPhone users simply spend more time on their phones. I see it across Yelp, Pinterest, LinkedIn, unquote. And this news should be shocking to no one listening to the show. As I always said, people get Android smartphones in general because they need a phone. And people in general get an iPhone because they need more than a phone. When I was a kid, my mom would go out on the day after Christmas, during those sales, and buy us Christmas gifts for the next year. She would then come home later that day after shopping and say, Oh, I bought you some really nice things for next year. Wow. 364 days to wait. Wonder and imagine. Not saying it was child abuse, but definitely a session or two of therapy could be focused on those December 26 comments. I bring this up because Sir Johnny, just one N. I've, did a recent interview with USA Today in which he said, quote, I would love, love, love to show you what we are working on now, but I'd lose my job, unquote. Thanks, Johnny. I would love, love, love for you to show me too. Now, luckily, we may not have to wait 364 days for the next thing to be announced. At least according to All Things D and a few other sites, October 22nd may be the next time we get to see some of the things Sir Johnny has been working on in the recent past. This means invites should go out to the press on Tuesday of this week, give or take a day. The real question is, will that event be iPads? or Mavericks, and the new Apple laptops, or some combination thereof. I really need a MacBook Pro with no fan. That's what I need as a podcaster. A MacBook Pro that makes as much noise as an iPad, as in none. Most of the money right now is betting that this event will be at a minimum the new iPad 5th Gen. Most also expect a new iPad Mini as well. Based on what I'm seeing on the photo side and video leak side, what we should see at a min is a new iPad 5th gen, 
it will be a case design that looks more like the iPad mini does now, which means it will not be as wide with the side bezel and the portrait mode being thinner like with the mini. I would also have, it should also have stereo speakers at the bottom and it would be thinner than the current iPad fourth gen. Additionally, there would likely be two colors, white, silver, kind of, and then the space gray. Internally, rumors say it will be an A7X processor. Not sure that is a rumor as much as it is speculation, educated guess, no-brainer. So yes, the iPad 5th gen should be a 64-bit machine. The camera is also supposed to get a bump, some suggesting it will get basically the same camera that is in the iPhone 5S, maybe even the same flash. That seems extreme, but hey, why not? They need to do something, you know, to differentiate the 4th gen iPad from the 5th gen or the 5th gen from the 4th gen. And a much better camera might be something one or two users want. Sorry, I still feel like a dork anytime I try to use my wife's iPad to take a photo. The 5th gen iPad should also have Touch ID. Essentially, it would be picking up many, if not most, of the features from the iPhone 5S. I think most of these rumors are likely for the iPad 5th gen Maxi. Some other rumors are saying there might be a larger iPad, an iPad Maxi Mondo, if you would, coming in at 12 or 13 inches. I don't know if this is the generation year for that. Maybe next year. Maybe introduced around WWDC with the launch in time for the back to college season. But not likely this year. Not, not this announcement. There are also some rumors about there being a redesigned smart cover for the iPad 5th gen with it having three folds instead of four. Your articles like that are why I need to drink five-hour energy drinks now just to get through the show note part of this show. Really, three folds instead of four? How the heck does that justify a thousand-word post? What I would like to see is a keyboard in the cover, like on the Surface RT. Some features in the cover is what I like. Three folds? Mm, Really, that's not news. Now, where the rumors really start to go all over the place is when we talk about the next-gen iPad Mini. Let's quickly go over some of the latest rumors leading up to the event and then give my thoughts after that. The rumor makers say that the iPad mini will or will not have a retina display. Or it will have a retina display, but it will not be announced at this month's event and not announced until late Q1 2014. Rumors are saying it will or will not have Touch ID. It will or will not have the A7 processor. It will come in gold, silver, and space gray. It will have the same camera as the 5S. It will print money, cure cancer, and help the Cubs win the World Series. Okay, maybe not the last ones. But I have seen people say it will have an A7X 64-bit processor, retina display, Touch ID, 8-megapixel camera, all in the same breath, without busting into laughter. I just don't see that happening. Not anywhere near the price point of today's iPad mini. Why? Because I think Apple showed us with the iPhone 5C, they are more interested in margins than they are in market share. And yes, putting all those features into the mini at the current price point would increase market share. It would also kill margins for the iPad line and essentially kill the iPad Maxi or at a min force Apple to reduce its price and margins as well. My thoughts are Apple does need to make some changes to the mini, but I don't think we will see the A7 processor, 
And that also means it will likely will not see Touch ID. It will likely be the A6 processor, possibly the A6X, which would mean a retina display. I am still having a hard time accepting the retina display for the Mini. Something tells me it will not happen because of battery life is more important to Apple. But you also need to put some gap between the iPad Mini Gen 1 and Gen 2. And while I think an 8 megapixel camera is likely, I don't think that's going with just the 8 megapixel camera and A6 processor, along with gold and silver and space gray versions, will be welcomed by the masses as a good or even decent upgrade, and definitely not accepted by the tech press. If I had to put money down on what I think will happen of all these scenarios, I think the iPad mini does not get updated in 2013, but sometime in Q1 or Q2 2014. And then it's updated, and at that time, it gets the A6X processor and a retina display, but still not the Touch ID or the A7 processor. Scenario two would be it's announced on the 22nd, and it's just the A6 processor and the 8-megapixel camera with the new gold, silver, space gray colors and a slightly lower price going to $299, but no retina display or the A7. Looks like I have some work to do for the next rumor bingo card. I will say this. I would like to get an iPad mini. But if the 5th gen iPad Maxi is an A7 64-bit processor, A7X 64-bit processor, and the 2nd gen iPad mini is the A6 32-bit processor, I will go with the Maxi and not the mini. It is clear-cut for me. I want the next purchase to be with the processor that I can get the longest life out of and I'm thinking a couple of years from now, I would regret getting a device with the A6 processor when I could have gotten one with the A7, even if the price differential is what it is now. And to the Imabek, hey Rob, as I prepare to package up my jailbroken iPhone 4S and ship it out to the eBay winner, I found these two links helpful for resetting my device and wiping the content without destroying the jailbreak or even needing a computer. Regards, David M. Hi, David. Thanks for the heads up on those links. Folks, look for the two links titled How to Restore iOS 6.1.2 Without Losing Jailbreak. One is a post and one is a YouTube video. Links, of course, are at todayinios.com for episode 285. And keeping that jailbreak helps get you more money when selling your iOS device, while wiping the data is, well, definitely needed prior to giving it over to someone that found you via Craigslist. Remember late last year when Jessica Alba was doing ads for Microsoft Windows Phone? Well, seems Jessica does not either, as she has been seen recently out and about with her iPhone and taking pics at a runway fashion show. Per Microsoft's part, they said her contract expired in May and that Miss Alba still, quote, uses her Lumia phone from time to time, unquote. Camera pans slowly left to show Mrs. Alba's Lumia propping up the table leg in her kitchen. It is funny, you have MS going with Miss Alba, Blackberry that went with Alicia Keys, and all they showed was celebs will go back to what they love the most, and in those cases it was the iPhone. And in both cases, it just turned into a stronger celeb endorsement for the iPhone than it did for either of the products they were paid to endorse. Why do these companies go out and hire celebrities that are not already using their products? Why don't they just go and find a celebrity or two that are real users of their products and do the campaign around them? Heard a rumor Nick Lachey and Bristol Palin are using a Windows phone. 
Or I guess the Windows Phone team could just create a bunch of hilarious viral videos making fun of Apple. Yeah, that could work too. Speaking of Microsoft, I mention this next one not because I want you to take them up on the offer, but rather to point out how desperate Microsoft is getting. Seems Microsoft is giving you up to $350 when you trade in your old iPad or iPhone to get a new Windows phone or tablet. Um, yeah. While they are at it, they're also offering to cut you with paper and squeeze lemon juice into the wounds. And that they'll do for no cost at all. So BlackBerry first announced on September 18th that BBM, BlackBerry Messenger, would be released for iOS and Android for the weekend of September 21st. And then they announced that it was delayed. Of course, in between those two announcements, BlackBerry also announced that they are laying off 4,500 employees. My guess is they had some issues more important to deal with than releasing BBM for the two platforms that combined were driving the nails into its coffin. Yep, best time to kick someone is when they're down. Yeah, this is one of those stories that got pushed from the last episode, can you tell? And from the how wrong are they category comes the quote from Qualcomm CMO Anand Chandrasekhar, who said the A7 was just a marketing gimmick and that there was zero benefit to consumers. So how wrong was he? Well, besides the benchmark tests where the 5S smoked every device running a 32-bit Snapdragon processor, some running at 2x the clock speed and with more RAM, there was also Qualcomm's own PR department that essentially picked Mr. Chandrasekhar up and chucked him under the first bus that passed by. The PR department at Qualcomm said, quote, the comments made by Anand Chandrasekhar Qualcomm CMO, about 64-bit computing were inaccurate, unquote. The under-the-bus placement of Mr. Chandahaskar was probably not just because Qualcomm is a big customer of Apple's, but also more than likely that Qualcomm is pretty far along on their own roadmap to get out a 64-bit mobile processor. And, well, all the money they spend on it and the efforts their sales team will do selling it to the likes of Samsung are not best served by someone at Qualcomm saying, it's all a marketing gimmick. Even if that was true, which clearly based on benchmark tests, it's not. And speaking of 64-bit processors, Samsung, after the announcement of the iPhone 5S with the A7 64-bit processor said, hey, we'll be making a smartphone with the 64-bit processor soon too. Well, of course they will. This is the company that was slavishly copying Apple products at every turn. But hey then it's not like they are releasing a gold-colored smartphone, are they? Nope. They're releasing two gold-colored smartphones. Really, no kidding. Speaking of Sammy handsets, Gazelle saw a 210% increase in people selling Sammy smartphones during the iPhone 5S launch weekend versus a year ago launch weekend. Seems some people are moving on up to the iPhone 5S and the iOS ecosystem and shedding the burdens of malware and outdated OS builds. Just saying. One thing I love about Eric Schmidt is that every so often he is good for a facepalm-type quote. At least every couple quarters. And the latest one comes from a Gartner conference when asked about Android and it not being secure. He said the following, quote, not secure, it's more secure than the iPhone, unquote. I don't think it means what you think it means. Now, in fairness, I think we should play the whole exchange that took place. Here it is. 
Another area I think they're looking for some degree of simplicity and stability is in mobile devices. And uh, if we polled this audience here, I'm sure many of them would name somebody besides Google and Android as their principal mobile platform because of the chaos or the anarchy that they view. Now, some vendors like Samsung might be different, but in the main, when we say Android, people say, wait a second, not secure. What's your response? Not secure? It's more secure than, than the iPhone. So I guess I, th there's, a whole, there's, a, there's a sort of a whole meme about this that I want to address. Um, with Android, um, Android has more than a billion users on, I think, weekly or 30-day actives right now. So on a unit volume perspective, there's more Android than anything else by far, and it's growing very, very fast. I think it's more than 1.3 million activations a day. I don't know the latest number, but it's growing very, very quickly. You do the math. Um, so from the standpoint of as a platform that's going to be around for a while, it's going to be around there for a very long time, that also means it's gotten the robustness, the testing, and so forth and so on. Um, one of the complaints that the other phone, phone vendors have made has a fragmentation argument, and that's an easy one for them to make, but it's in fact not true. And the reason it's not true is that the way the Android ecosystem works is everybody has agreed to keep the App Store compatible. So the key thing, and for the old timers here in the audience, I was part of the Unix standardization movement in the 1980s, and the thing that we didn't have was an App Store to keep all the Unix people together, right? So the old timers will remember this argument, and I effectively lost that argument. I learned it really, really hard. So with Android, we have an agreement among the key apps, Android vendors, uh, especially Samsung, to, to keep the app stores the same, right? So they're all compatible. So you can be sure when you buy an Android phone that the apps that you purchase through Google Play and others will actually run. And that's, I think, a huge breakthrough for Android. Except that those comments are completely disingenuous when you talk about all the smartphones being sold into China that don't work and connect with the Google Play app store. I love the audible laughter you can hear in the background after he made his comments about Android being more secure than the iPhone. Mind you, this was not a conference of tech journalists or laypeople. This was a Gartner IT conference. Those in the audience are very tech aware and knowledgeable people, and they found the comments funny. As in the same way, looking back, we find it funny when Eric Schmidt said in late 2011 that by the summer of 2012, the majority of TVs in stores would have Google TV embedded, or also in late 2011 when he said in six months' time, the majority of developers would be developing for Android before iOS. Seems Mr. Schmidt is picking up the baton left by Mr. Bomber for mind-numbing quotes. And as a podcaster covering iOS, I have to say thank you, Mr. Schmidt. You make my job easier and more fun. But I do have one request. Next time, save those type of quotes to the lulls we have on the show in between iOS product announcements somewhere. I mean, you know, say mid-December, early February, somewhere in there. You know, that would really make my job easier. Just saying. Thanks. Some more news on the smartphone competitor front. Panasonic has thrown in the towel. Seems lack of profits probably has something to do with it. And that is a pretty common issue for most Android smartphone manufacturers. Panasonic said they are going back to just making feature phones. You know, the clamshell types. Seems that they're still a niche in Japan, at least that are loyal to those devices. Of course, that is a country where they sell more adult diapers than diapers for children. So I'm guessing that market for feature phones is suffering some, let's call it churn issues. Hi, Rob. I'm writing you to just let you know that I bought Square Trade warranties for two iPhone 5Ss 
that are now part of my family. Use squaretrade.com slash TII and got a fabulous discount. Thanks much for all you do for us. Regards, Sergio. Well, Sergio, thank you so much for supporting our sponsor, which is Square Trade. And folks, if you go to squaretrade.com slash TII, you will be able to get a $30 discount off a two-year warranty for your iPhone 5S or 5C, I guess, as well. But if you've just purchased a new iPhone 5S, think about getting a warranty for it. I've had five iPhones in the past, three of which have had broken screens. It's so easy. Actually, I've had four and three have had broken screens. So it's so easy to break a screen on an iPhone. I broke one in an airplane, a Southwest airplane when I stood up. Broke another one. Well, I shouldn't say I broke it. My five-year-old, six-year-old son at the time broke it. Uh, now seven-year-old, dropping it on the ground. And then I had another one broke when I stepped on it in the pocket of my pants. So it's so easy to break an iPhone, even with a case. That last one had a case uh, on it and thought it was protected. But yeah, put 200 pounds of pressure right near the earpiece and it'll crack the screen. Think about the warranty. Go to squaretrade.com slash TII. Squaretrade.com slash TII. You'll save $30 on that two-year warranty. I am getting it for my iPhone 5S. I recommend you get it for yours if you've just purchased a new one. Hey, Rob. Matt from uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was just going to encourage everybody, even if they don't have an iPhone 5S, to practice security on their phone. Use the four-digit passcode. I'm the world's laziest person, and I've been using the passcode to lock my devices for the last few months. And after a while, it's second nature, and it provides a lot of security. And with the new uh, the update, iOS 7, it, the buttons are much bigger and easier to use, so it's really not a problem. It takes less than one second to enter the passcode, and after a while, you don't even think about it anymore. Thanks for all you do. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, Rob. It's Matt from Winston-Salem again, and I just wanted to... Uh, to offer another tip, I agree that uh, with iOS 7, the clock on the lock screen and some other things can be difficult to read. Some apps have not been properly updated for iOS 7, and they can be challenging to read as well. Uh, a couple things can be done if you go under Settings, General, Accessibility. First of all, you can make uh, the text bold type. That can help in a lot of instances. And also, one thing I've done for a long time is if you go to the very bottom of the accessibility menu, you can set a shortcut using trip, triple tap on the home button. And when uh, you have some options, but what I choose is to invert the colors with the triple tap. And it, it basically makes a negative image of what you're looking at on the screen. It can make it easier to read some things. Also, you can invert text to make it... Uh, white on black text when you want to read at night. It's very helpful there. And uh, it's something I've used for a long time, so it, it also may help people to read uh, some things in iOS 7 that are having trouble reading. Thanks. Have a great week. Matt, thanks for the calls and the tips. Hello, Rob. I live in the UK, and I'm thinking of upgrading from a 3GS to the new 5S when the dust has settled and they are freely available. The 5S bought in the U.S. is 160 pounds cheaper than the same phone in the U.K. Could you tell me if I buy a 5S in the U.S., would it be fully functional in the U.K.? If so, what do I need to look out for? 
love the show. I've been a listener for nearly four years now, ever since getting the first iPhone. Regards, Nev. Hi, Nev. I think the one you want is the one that is compatible with Verizon. Now, what you need to do is you need to check on this, first off, with what carriers you're going to run with in the UK. So what carrier you plan to use, find out which bands for LTE that they support, and then go on the Apple website and find which of the two US versions has those bands covered. So you need to first check with your carrier in the UK, see which bands of LTE, and then check the specs and see which of the two ones, the AT&T version, the GSM, or the CDMA version, which also covers... GSM, but uh, it has different bands availability for LTE. So check which one is better for LTE, and then you get that unlocked version. Hi, Rab. I'm planning on going to Italy next year. I've heard that a Verizon phone works on carriers in Europe and wanted to know if I should get an unlocked Verizon phone and if the subsidized Verizon phone would work as well. Regards, Jesse. I Jesse, the subsidized one would not work, uh, more than likely not work. You'd have to contact with Verizon and get them to unlock it. The unlocked one, again, I believe, as you mentioned, that it's the Verizon one that works best in Europe. But you need to check with what carriers there are in Italy, which bands of LTE they cover, and figure out which carrier you're going to work with before you get the phone just to make sure you get the right one. If anyone has any experience getting an unlocked iPhone from the US, that's an LTE iPhone, which version did you get for the UK and which version did you get to use in Italy? So again, if you have any experience using an unlocked iPhone, LTE iPhone in the UK or Italy, please let us know which one you used and which carrier in the UK and Italy you used it on. 206-666-6364, 206-MoonDog, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I upgraded to iOS 7 this afternoon. The only issues I had was I had to manually turn off my phone and restart it before the app search feature would work. Regards, Dan. Hi, Rob. Just finished upgrading my iPhone 5 and iPad mini to iOS 7. After downloading the update wirelessly, I had to do the second verification of the download install about 20 minutes on each device before it would install. It seems flawless so far. I'm actually liking it. I thought it was uh, too cartoony in all the preview articles, but now it looks good. David L., East Brunswick, New Jersey. Hi, Rob. I'm calling in response to the person with the issue with the disappearing iTunes radio. I have seen this happen when I have no network connections. But if I have airplane mode on, I've seen it, it disappears. You can't, it's not even a tab to keep it open. So I'm, and also, you have to turn on to be able to use it on cellular. It, so I'm assuming if this guy maybe isn't on cellular, isn't cellular to use the, de- the data and he doesn't have it, you know, iTunes radio to be able to use it, I've seen the tab just disappear. And then it reappears as soon as you have a Wi-Fi connection or, you know, when you're out of airplane mode. So that could be a problem. That's what at least my, been my experience with iTunes radio on my phone. Just figured I'd share that and hope it helps him. And um, hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Rob. I updated to iOS 7. And all I have to say, it's great. I enjoy the new look and feel of iOS 7. Apple did it right this time. Regards, Michael. Hi, Rob. Per iOS 7, wow, this is going to take some getting used to. Regards, Luke. Hi, Rob. With all the attention for the look that went into iOS 7, why, oh, why did they pick a kitchen fan exhaust cover for the symbol 
for settings. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Regards, Steve R. Hi, Rob. Where is the control for cellular data in iOS 7? It used to be in settings, then general, then cellular. Regards, Keith. Hi, Keith. In iOS 7, Apple moved your cheese, or at least the cellular settings, and if it had teeth, it would have bit you. Not that cheese has teeth. Now, it is under settings, then cellular. Yep, not in general anymore. And cellular is right up at the top under airplane mode, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. You will then see cellular. Apple bundled the controls for all the wireless items together, as they should be. Was kind of a bad choice on where it was previously. Hey, Rob, it's Mike in Nebraska. It's been a while since I've called. Just thought you might like to let your users know. I have an iPhone 5. I downloaded 7.0. Worked great for a week, week and a half. Today I downloaded 7.02. Three hours later, I was using the phone and it totally bricked. I've had to completely wipe the phone, lost everything, start all over. My recommendation is probably working for most users, but wait until 7.02 gets updated. The Apple rep I was on there with for two hours did say they're seeing other phones get bricked. Anyway, love the show. Take care, Rob. Thank you. Oh, hi, Rob. It's Ed uh, out here in Chicago. I've called in before. Uh, just got your push that uh, the show may be coming out Sunday night. And I was just wondering if you've heard any common issues with the rollout of iOS 7. It seems to me uh, that this has been one of the smoothest uh, updates yet. I haven't heard any complaints about battery life or anything like that. I've got them on all of our uh, iPad 3s and iPhone 5s, and we just haven't had any uh, issues. So I was just wondering if any of your, uh, your other listeners uh, or if you've come up with any you know, lists of uh, issues that have come up with iOS 7. I think it's been a wonderful, uh, a wonderful upgrade. Uh, as always, enjoy the show. Uh, keep up the good work. I appreciate your efforts. Bye now. Hi, Ed. I will say this. Every Apple update there has been, there have been some people, small percentage, but small percentage of a very large number is still a decent number of people, but a small percentage of people in every update have had some issue or another. Sometimes that's because they did the update the very first day and it was just the whole download issues. Other times it's because they don't take my advice and force quit all their apps and do the reset network settings and do the other things I recommend. And sometimes it's just plain dumb luck. So, uh, you know, there's always a few people with some issues as the previous caller had an issue where his phone bricked when he went to 702. Personally, this time around, updates to 7 for all the devices that have gone to 7 and 702, knock on wood, I've had a really good experience with my iOS updates. It's been a while, but we get to talk about Kickstarter projects again. There's one called Structure Sensor, two words. It is to be used to capture images in 3D. It connects to your mobile iOS device, so you can capture 3D maps of indoor spaces. You can capture 3D models of an object for 3D printing. This one had a goal of 100,000. Like I said, had. It blew that away by over... Um, now $930,000 and counting. And this one has until November 1st at 11.39 a.m. Eastern Time for you to get in on the action. Pricing on this is the low, low price of $349. And actually, I think $379 is where you really wind up starting. And that is for the structure sensor for iPad. If you are interested in 3D printing, this is one you will want to check out. 
search for structure sensor structure sensor two words at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 285 at todayinios.com speaking of kickstarter projects sounds like my portable little hand crank generator one should be here in the next couple months and my recap the one where you plug it into the iphone and you're able to record skype and phone calls that one is supposed to be here shortly too so maybe i'll get that one in the november-ish time frame and the hand crank one maybe in december-ish time frame hopefully into the email bag hi rob i read on a mailing list haven't confirmed it that apparently the cards app which apple made such a big deal about at the ios 5 event apparently is gone by the way thanks for being so fair about mentioning accessibility on your show regards Sigard. Hi, Sigard. Yep, the Cards app needs a sympathy card sent its way. I confirmed with my contact inside Hallmark, it is indeed dead. Hallmark is the company that did the actual printing and management of the Cards app for Apple, and they said it just never took off, and they were not surprised that Apple killed it. It just never got the attention that Apple thought it was going to get. Hi Rob, the Apple TV update was released last night. I haven't had a good look at it yet, but it did brick one of my two Apple TVs, the third gen, went into DFU mode and wants the micro USB cable to connect it to iTunes. My second gen updated perfectly fine. Issue with this is Apple didn't supply that cable with the device when I purchased it. I have nothing else that uses it, so I have to go out and buy one to figure out what happened regards Orland. Hi, Orland. Yep, as you found out the hard way, Apple had a little issue with their update for the second and third gen Apple TVs, as in some of the Apple TVs were getting bricked and you needed to get a cord and connect it to your computer to unbrick it. Oh! Apple pulled that update, fixed the issue, and has since re-released the update. So if you had not updated already, you are good to go now. What is new in the update? Well, actually quite a bit. iTunes Radio, for starters, is now on Apple TV, if you're in the U.S., which I like. And if you like the music you hear, you can now purchase music directly from iTunes Music Store from your Apple TV. iCloud Photos and Videos are now added to your shared photo stream. There is Apple Play from iCloud, where you use your iOS device to play videos from iTunes in the cloud. You can also sync your podcasts and podcast stations across Apple TV and all your iOS devices. But let me just say, nobody uses Apple TV or Roku to listen or watch podcasts. At Lipson, 0.05%, 0.05%, not 5%, but 0.05% of all podcast consumption comes from a smartphone or a, not smartphone, from a set-top box. 0.05% from a TV set-top box. People just don't use them to consume podcasts, not surprisingly. Anyway, some nice new updates for Apple TV if you can get past that whole bricking the device issue. Again, now it is safe to update your Apple TV. Hey, Rob, it's Levi of Riverside, California. I'm calling for Jesse. I called in with a problem with the speak option. Uh, all he needs to do is go into general accessibility and turn on speech selection. Once he turns that on, he'll be able to select speech and have it read to him. And also with his purchasing and downloading of apps, 
said for him to turn off cellular data. And that's what he was saying, that he's not able to search and download new apps either. What he needs to do is turn off the auto update. Once he's once he turns off auto update and turns the cellular data back on in iTunes, then he'll be able to search and find new stuff, but he just won't be able to have the uh, automatic updates. So hope this helps. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for the feedback, Levi. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. This is Jeff from Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's 3 a.m. in the morning here. Well, I just ordered a 16 gig iPhone 5S in silver from Apple Store, and it took about one minute, and it will ship in one to three days, and I should have it by September 30th, October 1st. Regards, Sleepy Jeff. Good morning, Rob. Just ordered two iPhone 5Ss online, one gold 32 gig AT&T and one space gray 32 gig AT&T. There was no option to pick them up to store, at least in my area. The gold one is available to ship in seven to 10 days. The black one is available to ship in one to three days. The Apple Store was very responsive. I ordered online from my computer with no problems. Regards, Sergio in Austin, Texas. Hi, Rob. I ordered my Verizon 5S online at 12.01 a.m. on the first day and got one to three days shipping. As of 12.25, all the gold models were estimating shipping in October. There are still good shipping times on the gray and silver models. Regards, Michael from Seattle. Hi, Rob. When I was online at the AT&T store... I was getting. I was there until about 11:30 p.m. and the AT&T manager stopped and asked which model I wanted. I told her the gold 64 gig model. She then said she could save me the disappointment and time waiting in line. They only had the black gray model in 64 gig. I then decided to go home and tried ordering online. I ordered one from Apple. Thank you, Rebecca, for saving me a bunch of trouble. Wanted to let you know the outcome. I hope I get it quicker from Apple than I would have if I ordered it from AT&T. Kudos to Rebecca, manager of AT&T store. We don't have an Apple store in town yet. They have not finished putting one in our Battlefield Mall. Regards, David D. All right, long-time listener. I have called the show before. A long time ago, that is. Just let you know this morning, I went to the Apple store in the Palisades Mall, New York, there was like 120 people in line at 8.15 a.m. The Apple employees came out and said, we have black and only black and for AT&T only 16 to 30 gig. So I left now at the AT&T store in Clifton, New Jersey. There is like 30 people. They said you can have uh, any color as long as it's black. But at least they do have the 64 gig black that is. Manager said they sent a white iPhone for display, but no gold models, not even for display. I was looking for gold or maybe silver, but I will buy the black one since I have 30 days to exchange. Also, a friend of mine is manager at a different AT&T store, and he told me yesterday that all in New York and New Jersey area only got black 5Ss. I didn't believe him, but now I do. Regards, Delvi A from New Jersey. And then, hi Rob. Today I picked up a 64 gig black 5S. Fortunately, being in a small town, I was able to walk up to the door and be the fifth person in line at 8 a.m. when they opened. Transitioning from the 4S, I am very impressed. The speed increase of just opening an app in comparison almost gave me whiplash, not to mention how fast it was 
able to restore over 4,000 songs and who knows how many apps total of 32 gig of information. I don't know if that is all thanks to the 7 or the A7 processor, but I don't care because I love it. I was very doubtful about the fingerprint reader. However, after reapplying my thumb over 20 times to make sure it got every edge and detail, my outlook has changed. Where is the innovation? Just kidding. Coming from a 4S, there is enough innovation to keep this guy happy for another two years. Regards, Second Lieutenant Mason C., United States Army. Hi, Rob. I'm so ticked. In Panama City, Florida, I just called about every store that sells the iPhone. No gold iPhones anywhere. Not one was shipped. Verizon could not even order a gold iPhone. The system was down. Most stores received limited white and some black. Called Apple, waited for six minutes and ordered two gold, 16 gig and 32 gig. Say ship time is November 5th. This sucks. Regards, Jim F. Hey, Rob. It's Ed from LearnedRoad.com. Just wanted to call in, first-time caller, and tell you about my new favorite external battery for the iPhone 5S. I've been a Mophie fan for a long time now, using the Mophie cases, but as I moved to the 5, I really wanted to keep the weight down, but still needed an external battery to carry with me at times uh, when you need that little extra boost. The PhoneSuit Flex, www.phonesuit.com is absolutely amazing. It's, I believe, 2,600 milliamps and fits easily in your pocket. Just a beautiful little external battery for the phone. No extra cables or anything needed to uh, use it. And you might want to take a look and your listeners might be interested. Thanks, Ed, for that review and feedback. For jailbreakers out there, it looks like iTunes 11.1 and later are reportedly killing custom IPSWs for the latest version of iOS 7. What does this mean? Well, if you have an older device that is jailbroken, you may or slash probably want to hold off upgrading iTunes. As if you need to re-jailbreak, depending on the method you use, you might not be able to. It may also mean it will be a little longer before iOS 7 jailbreak is available, as that adds one more thing the jailbreak team needs to work around. When will we see a jailbreak for iOS 7 for the masses is a question I get a lot. And the answer so far is not soon enough, but also not anytime soon. Definitely not this month and maybe not until 2014. At Planet Bing from the Evaders team said recently they may have all the pieces needed, but not that they did. Um, and Pod... 2G quickly followed up with that even if all the pieces that they needed are in place, it may take a while and it is a long road. So for now, just realize there is not an untethered, publicly available jailbreak for iOS 7. So don't believe anything you might see looking like a press release or post for a site claiming to have a jailbreak for iOS 7, especially if they are asking for money. There are a lot of scams that go on about jailbreaking when there is a new OS released. Never pay to jailbreak. That is the best advice I can offer for now. Well, that and be patient. It does look like this year they are ahead of where they were last year at this point, but that still doesn't mean that we're going to see a jailbreak for iOS 7 in the immediate future. But hopefully we will see one sooner than it took last year to get one done. 
Thanks to Sicard for the heads up on this next one, which I don't think we mentioned yet. At least I could not see it made it on a past episode as this thing kept getting bumped. But Apple is now making older versions of apps available to devices running older versions of iOS. So if you have an iPhone 3GS and are stuck at iOS 6.1.x and an app updates to where you need iOS 7 or later, and if there was a version of that app available that allowed iOS 6 or later, that would be the version made available to your device running iOS 6.1.x. Engadget is reporting on an older iPhone 3G running 4.2.1. It was able to download a version of Instagram that works with iOS 4.2.1. This is good news for all of you, like me, that have passed on iPhones down to your kids to use as iPod Touches. This is a nice customer service feature added by Apple. Kudos to them on helping extend the usable life of your old iOS devices. You know, it kind of sucks to be a Delta pilot right now. No, Delta did not get rid of the max weight limit for flight attendants, as that would be a downright tragedy. But rather, something almost as bad. Seems Delta's IT department decided against the wishes of the pilots to go ahead and get in bed with Microsoft and go and sign an agreement to bring Microsoft Surface tablets into the cockpit. Unlike American Airlines and JetBlue that already have the iPad in the cockpit, where they replace flight bags weighing in at 40 pounds or more, Delta said they are ordering 11,000 tablets from Microsoft and not Apple in an apparent marketing coup for Microsoft. Well, that was right up until the part where the Delta pilots started bitching and saying Delta's IT department is in bed with Microsoft and that the pilots fart hard for the iPad. And then all the marketing buzz was kind of lost. Now, it seems they, Delta, will not be getting these tablets for another two years because, well, the Surface is not actually qualified to be in the cockpit. Kind of a small detail. So I guess Delta pilots can cross their fingers and hope the Surface will fail which I guess is better than the one finger the pilots seem to think their IT department was raising towards them. You need to watch out for companies where the IT department forgets that their employees are their client and someone they need to listen to rather than someone they can dictate to. Hi, Rob. This is Dan from Chicago with a possible bug or at least need some help with iOS 7 and 702 regarding IMAP in the email. Previously worked fine since iOS 7 and also with 7.02, when you're in IMAP and you delete a message, it actually deletes it from the server if you monitor it from another Mac uh, running IMAP. But a few seconds after the deletion, the message pops back into the inbox on the iOS 7 device. This happens both on the iPhone 4S in my case and on the iPad 3 running iOS 7.02. This does not improve when deleting the account in settings and resetting up the account does not improve uh, other devices. Any insight would be uh, greatly appreciated. Thanks. Ben, I'm going to have to throw this one out to the audience because I have two IMAP accounts in my iPhone 5S and it's working perfectly between my IMAP accounts and back on my MacBook that when I delete an email out, it updates on the MacBook. So it's, for me, IMAP is working fine. So if anyone out there has had an issue with IMAP, with iOS 7, 
and was able to fix it. What was the issue you had, if it was similar to what Ben is saying, and uh, how does Ben fix this? Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. How are you? Listen, I have a question for your listeners, and it has to do with iOS 7. I don't know if this is happening to everyone, but it's happening to me quite often, so much so that it's becoming a nuisance or it's bugging me. The fact is that the mail icon on my phone is always displaying a number, as in I have new emails, say one, two, three, sometimes, sometimes even four. And when I go to the email account or when I open it, it has nothing. It's empty. I have deleted all my messages. So I don't know if this is an iOS 7 or it's some other setting that I'm not able to figure out. But I was just curious to see if I'm the only one this is happening to or if it's happening to several people. Just some feedback either from you or from your listeners. Thank you, Jose from Southgate, California, and an avid listener. Take care. I'm going to have to throw that one also out to the audience, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. I thought when I first were hearing your voicemail message, you were having the issue that I'm having, which is what Lauren here from Colorado is having. Let me read her email. Hi, Rob. What's going on with the app for mail? I cannot clear the 5,000-plus new incoming mail that I have tried to mark as red, but they will come back within, within a few minutes, four to 5,000 new ones. It's getting to be very annoying. Any thoughts or suggestions regards Lauren from Colorado? And Lauren, I have the same issue. Actually, I have worse. I have 121,000 plus emails in, saying that are new in my email for my pop email. My IMAP emails are both fine, but my pop email uh, for Gmail it's showing 121,000 unread emails. And even when I try to do mark all, all it does is drop it just a couple hundred at the most. So I'm having some issues there. If anyone else is seeing what me and Lauren are seeing and have actually figured out how to clear that so that all your emails are clear and it doesn't show as any, please let us know. Please let me know. I hate seeing that 121,000 there in my email um, little reminder. Ugh. 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send that email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Native Apple apps are crashing a lot on my iPhone 5S. Are you hearing about this from others? Regards, Michael. Hi, Michael. I am hearing about this from other blogs where people are reporting a blue screen of death for the iPhone 5S. I personally have not seen this. And for me, I don't notice many crashes. Few, but nothing overly annoying or more than I can remember before. And I'm not hearing about it from users much either. But folks, if you are seeing a lot of crashes on your iPhone 5S, especially the blue screen of death, give us a call or send us an email. You know the number, you know the email. And let's get into the next email. Hi, Rob. Possibly everyone else had already known this or maybe be okay with it, but I have realized to my disappointment that iTunes Radio is really nothing more than a collection of static pre-compiled playlists. They play the same songs in the same order each time. If you choose one of the top ones, if you create a station from an artist's name, the same thing happens. It plays the pre-compiled playlist. Sure, it is free, access to those play, uh, tunes played in full length, and that is an advantage and easy 
way to discover and purchase them, but I guess that is entirely the point. I'm just a little disappointed. It is nothing more than a collection of playlists through. Uh, regards, Jim. Hey Rob, it's Levi of Riverside, California. Colin let you know when you're playing music on the lock screen and you've got the player controls up on top, if you just hit the home button once, it will give you the big clock back on the lock screen. Hope this helps. Talk to you guys later. Hey Rob, it's Levi of Riverside, California. Just Colin let you know that just found out you can use Siri to toggle Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on and off, but you cannot use it to toggle GPS navigation services. Hope this helps. Talk to you later. Bye. Levi, thanks for the feedback. One more email here. Hi, Rob. FYI, and please give your thoughts on how the U.S. import ban on some Samsung devices being upheld is different from when Apple's products being banned were overturned by President Obama. Thanks, Dr. John M. Hi, John. Well, it's a big difference, a huge difference, a major, fundamental, mind-blowing, different situation. The Samsung patent in question was a standards essential patent and was under the guidelines of FRAND, which is fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, which Samsung was clearly violating, and the ITC should never, ever have granted that verdict against Apple, period. It was a very bad decision by the ITC, and hence why it was the first one overturned by a president since President Reagan back in 1980s. The one for Samsung is not about standards essential patents. So the one where Samsung violated was not standards essential. It was Apple's patents. They were technology patents, not standards patents. And these technology patents, Samsung clearly was in violation of. Now, whether some of those patents should have been granted is another story, like the rounded corner ones, but others, like the snapback and accelerated scrolling, those are legit, and Sammy definitely slavishly copied those. And, well, in later devices, Sammy units, well, they've designed kind of around those patents. But early devices, the ones being banned, which are really not for sale for the most part anyway, uh, those clearly violated Apple's technology patents, and that is why it was upheld. It was not about protectionism. It was about two completely different scenarios. One, standards essential patents, which shouldn't have been banned, and the other about technology patents, which should have. And at the end of the day, the Obama administration made the right decision to intervene and not to intervene in both of these cases. Thanks again to our sponsor, Square Trade. Remember, for your iPhone warranty, just $94 for a two-year warranty. You save $30 by going to squaretrade.com slash TII. And finally, thanks to Candy Crush for sponsoring the show. On your iPhone in the U.S. only, go to todayinios.com slash candy. Seems if you're outside the U.S., that does not redirect you where it should. Sorry for those that tried outside the U.S., but in the U.S., on an iPhone, go to todayinios.com slash candy and get ready to give up an, your extra free time. If you want to know when a new episode is going to go up, look at the TI app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also a great way to get push messages when a new episode goes live or when there is other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store. 
It helps you get the most out of this show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store and I'll do my best to send out a push if we get any more info of importance with regards to the uh, new iPad announcement or event. I'm assuming it's going to be an iPad event for October 22nd. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, or an app product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly appreciated and desired. And don't forget to check out our new moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. iOSers, welcome. Android fanboys, not so much. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Yeah.